so glad that life I've had has taught me the true meaning. Thank God it's Christmas and it comes this time each year. You've got mistletoe snow and the fireplace glow. Your heart's filled up with cheer. It don't matter if you get a little fatter. You can work it off in the new year. Thank God it's Christmas. Christmas, the most wonderful time of year. Rosy cold cheeks in the first few weeks as Jack Frost says hello. Chopping down a tree, fingers starting to freeze. Warm them up with some hot cocoa. Your family tradition is the way to greet the season, so celebrate the way you know. But remember the why we honor Jesus Christ. It's his birthday, don't you know? Thank God it's Christmas, and it comes this time each year. You've got mistletoe snow and the fireplace glow. Your heart's filled up with cheer. Yeah, it don't matter if you get a little fatter. You can work it off in the new year. Thank God it's Christmas. Christmas, the most wonderful time of year. Thank God it's Christmas, the most wonderful time of year. You've got mistletoe snow and the fireplace glow. Your heart's filled up with cheer. Yeah, it don't matter if you get a little fatter. You can work it off in the new year. Thank God it's Christmas. Christmas, the most wonderful time of year. If you get a little fatter, you can work it off in the new year. Did you like that? That was Mr. Greg Arcade there. Uh, wrote a little Christmas song, and I thought it was pretty good. So we decided to start the podcast, the church service, whatever the heck this thing is, with that. So welcome, everybody. Welcome to the Gnostic Church and Academy of Lord Jesus Christ. Put your hands on the screen, everybody. Ladies and gentlemen, feel the Holy Spirit as it rolls. Remember this guy, Robert Tilton? He was like in the 80s. He made like $80 million a year just talking absolute freaking nonsense but he was raking it in so anyway welcome to the gnostic church and academy of lord jesus christ we are coming live from beecher wisconsin i am your beecher preacher and i am your uh, teacher of the mysteries and preacher of the heart my name is marty Lees, but you can call me miss jackson if you're nasty okay we do service every sunday at 9 a.m central standard time as you guys know that's why you're here so we appreciate you coming down and being part of the fellowship such a good group of people here and we're going to keep it that way we like to be top tier we like to be we like to surround ourselves with the good people and so uh you know we burn the dead wood we get rid of uh anybody that doesn't respect this community really because it's such a good group of people so thank you to content safe for getting me on bitchu rumble odyssey so if you're watching it on any of those platforms Thank Content Safe. So thank you for that. We are streaming live from YouTube and Rockman, as you guys know. And I'm on all the pod. You can get the podcast on like Podbean and Spotify and Apple Music and all that other stuff too. You can also get it at the Flat Earth, Sun, Moon, and Zodiac app, and that is Dick Earth's app. That is Dave Weiss's app. You can get that on my site, GnosticAcademy.org, and you can get the sermons, these Sunday sermons, right through there. And you can also educate yourself on our flat 
stationary plane that's that's probably fer fermented firmamented how about that and <laughs> so anyway uh so yeah you can get it there so stop on over and get the app and this afternoon we're going to be doing a show and be doing another sort of service with let's go dave that's right kcd watches youtube baby that's right stella great song it is a great song stellars it is right i know he did a great job so uh, we're doing, I'm doing another two hour service on the solstice, not on the, we're, no, I mean, it's today, but we're going to do it about the solstice and it'd be about an hour and a half. And then we're going to do a half hour of questions. And so that will be between four and six central standard time, 4 AM or 4 PM <laughs> central standard time. And if you want to stop over and you can get that at rogueways. Dot org and so that'll be good so uh, and if you want to use the promo code marty bright that's right i have a promo code this is the second time this year i've had a promo code i'm gonna be like you know like daily wire and shit you know if i start crying like jordan peterson you might want to you know turn me off but uh four hours of marty party that's right Ange, Ange, my brother deborah stille stills so if you want to uh four o'clock go to rogueways.org marty bright and you can get that so I hope to see some of you there. And if you're not, well, then I guess there goes your salvation. No, I'm just kidding. These are jokes. Okay. Uh, also, I want to give a shout out to my brother, my brother from another mother, Mr. Christopher Gardner. You can find him at topherhq.com, topherhq.com. He's firing up his podcast, which I did, I don't know, a decade ago. It seems like it anyway. A long time ago, I did his podcast. And he's firing this baby back up. And so he's going to have me on this week. And um, I know Marty's year of promo codes. I know. I'm like Ben Shapiro, dude. So um, anyway, Chris is a great dude. Uh, I love the guy very much. I just, he's just one of these guys that as soon as I talked, spoke to him the first time, I was like, ah, I'm, you know, he's just a chill dude. Smart, hardworking guy, family man. And he's starting up his podcast. And so if you want to go give him a shout, I would appreciate that. TopherHQ.com. I will be on next week. First uh, first one he did was with Tom Barnett there. And Tom Barnett, he's a badass. He's a bad mouth foul, right? Uh, guitar player, Baldy. You know, we have a lot in common. So I just want to get some thank yous out of the way. Uh, I've had a lot of support in the last month, and I really appreciate it. It's what keeps this thing going. So thank you all so much for your wonderful support. Jeremy Hines, I see you. Thank you so much. Gen X rated. Amor Walking Hug. That's Amor Walking Hug over at Gnostic Revelation Mysteries. Uh, Topher is the man. I know. He's, he's a good dude. Uh, so Amor Walking Hug at Gnostic Revelation Mysteries. Thank you, my brother. Jason Reed. Uh, Antonio Andrade. Mark, the son of the brother. Thank you. Stella and Krupa. Thank you so much, guys. Love you. Angie A. Uh, Teresina Sulo. Derek Harvey. Eric C. I see you. I see you, Eric C. Thank you so much. T. Roof. T. Roof. T. Roof. T. Roof is on fire. Virginia Murray. Jeremy Faulkner. Uh, Rachel Moore. Ross at Ross H. Jamie Greeley. Thank you so much. Teague Mackin. Thank you so <laughs> much. Whiskey. I want to say thank you so much to Whiskey. Uh, got your uh, letter and, and everything, and it means so much to us. We're so glad you found us, and um, it's just great. So uh, got the letter and the message, and it's just wonderful. So thank you so much. God bless. Uh, Gary and Marlene, love you guys. I know you're watching somewhere, and I love you guys. Uh, can't wait to see you guys soon. Uh, we really get along with older couples. We don't really like younger people anymore because they're all kind of lame. So I don't know if that's – I don't know what it is. Maybe we're just like in our hearts. We're like 80 years old, but – Anyway, Gary and Marlene are an older couple, and we love them very much. Deborah Stille, the Styles.
Thank you so much. John Gaggett, Lucas Andrietta, Javier. I see you, Javier. If you're here, Javier. Dude, dude. brother huh okay uh jen brew the pious love you girl it's already true mary ruth scott collector tribal consciousness lindsey chapman thank you so much jackie traverson just received uh, a donation this morning so thank you so much and last week god bless you thank you uh maladrin gareth turner hope you enjoy the book michael shucknick thank you uh michael shucknick's always killing it every month thank you so much cameron keen and of course we've got um what's that that's right and we're going to chop it down, you know what I'm saying? Lucy Short, thank you. I appreciate that, Lucy Short. God bless you. All right, so the small axis here. So thank you all for the support. We are a tiny church. We're a tiny church, and we only keep this going with your support. So thank you all so much for buying the books and everything like that. Next week, we're going to do some book giveaways. Uh, giveaways for of the new book, which we will launch. Uh, we'll do the pre-order next, uh, literally on Christmas. I'm going to release it on Christmas. So the pre-order will be ready on Christmas Day, literally that Sunday morning. Also going to do some book giveaways of that, and then as well as Pie in the English Alphabet, Volume 1 through 3, and we might throw a Lord Jesus Christ in there as well. So that's what we'll be doing uh, next week. So we're a tiny church. And so, yeah, Javier, buddy. Yeah, buddy. So um, so thank you all for the support. Yes. Rockfin. Jeremy Hines. Happy rising, my brother. Much love as always. Thank you, Jeremy. Thank you once again. I appreciate you guys. All right, let's do a prayer, and then let's get this baby going. <clears throat> oh, God whose nature and property is ever to have and to forgive. Receive our humble petitions. And though we be tied and bound with the chains of our sins, yet let the pitifulness of thy great mercy loose us. For the honor of Jesus Christ's sake, our mediator and advocate. Amen. Nice, short, and sweet one there. We've got a total of four people watching on Rockfin. Okay, so today we're going to be talking about the Kabbalistic origin of the Christmas tree. We are going to be talking about the Christmas tree. Why are people decorating Christmas trees and cutting them down and bringing them inside? What is going on? Why is this craziness happiness? What does this have to do with Christ? We're going to talk about all that today. And we're going to pull the rug out from under all these people's perceptions of what this stuff means. And most of those people aren't listening anyway. But you guys get the gems. You guys are getting the gems. I see you guys. I'm aiming my bazookas, my RC, what was that? What am I, my NPGs my tasers, my lasers, right at you guys, and we're firing off the gems. So we're doing this because Angers, my brother Angers, said, hey, you always said that at some point you would do a symbology of the Christmas tree, and you never did it, you slacker. So that's basically what Angers was telling me. As some littlest Christians say, we shouldn't have one. would be great to see your breakdown. Well, that's what we're going to do today as my dog hacks up uh, her lung. And so we're doing sort of a tree hugger theme here, as Anjay said. He's like loving the tree hugging at the moment. So the last couple of live streams we did, we talked about the central tree in the center of the earth. Um, what that is, where it's found all the world, and we're going to revisit all of that today. And then we went to the Cherokee story of creation, and we saw that tree again, and now we're going to do it all, all over again. Actually, that was the Cherokee story was the first one we did. Last one was the Kabbalistic, what was it? The Flaming Sword. So, um, so yeah. So we're going to continue on with that. So the Christmas tree, let's do it. And let's dig this baby up 
and find out what's really going on with a la Christmas tree. Thank you. Bring the gems, my brother. I will. Okay, so now, so these are just some old pictures of, this is 1871, I guess. And you can see there's a Christmas tree in the corner. And they actually have lights. They actually put candles on the tree. That's what they used to do back before electricity and that sort of thing. And there's another one. This is from 1848. Apparently, uh, as far as I could tell, the Christmas tree was um, introduced to America around like the 1850s, somewhere around there. And I'll actually show you that because I went to the National Archives and dug up some um, some older some older um, articles on the Christmas tree and the origin and that sort of stuff. Um, just some you know just some cool pictures there. Apparently, one of the one of the lores or legends is that Martin Luther was one of the first people that actually brought you know Lutheranism that sort of thing that old you know, that whole renaissance that happened at that time, he was one of the first people to actually bring a Christmas tree in the house. Now, of course, this is, whenever, when just to get this out of the way, whenever somebody talks about the origin of literally any of this stuff and claims that they know what it is, they're full of, that's right, Stella, I'm going to say it again, apupukaka, and they're full of crap, is basically, no one knows the origin of this stuff. When it, it literally, any, you know, when it, when it gets to, you know, trying to pick back through hundreds of years or thousands of years. It's not like the first person that ever cut down a tree and brought it and says like, hear ye, hear ye, we shall go outside and cut down the tree and bring it into thy house. And we should let everybody know that this shall be the first time that a Christmas tree was, you know, that doesn't happen, right? So there is no like object, once again, objective record of history of this is where it started. This is where it comes from, that sort of thing. But what you will find is people will argue about that all day long, especially those literalist Christians. The literalist Christians will do everything in their power to run in and be like, our stuff has nothing to do with paganism. They'll go out of their way to make sure that their tradition isn't connected in any way, shape, or form to these others. They always have to make this sort of bifurcation to say, we're the special boys. We, our opinion of what this stuff means here and the truth, that's our thing and has no connection, you know. And that's a problem. And that is one of the biggest problems. Because as we, what we do is we go every Sunday, we go through this baby right here and show that that perspective is so far off of what Christianity is actually supposed to be teaching you. So it's supposed to connect you to these things. And what you have in modern day Christianity is the severing of these things. And that's a problem. It's a problemic. Okay. So, um, so who knows really what the origin is? So I, this is a couple of articles for 1875, 1873. I went back to like 1850 or something like that. But as you'll see, no one really knows what the origin of the Christmas tree. The same thing goes for the deck of cards. The same thing goes for dice. The same thing goes for chess. The same thing goes for the tarot deck. The same thing goes for nearly all of the religious texts that you've ever read or touched. That doesn't matter if it's the Upanishads or this. Now, lots of people will make claims like, no, this was 2,000 years ago. And it was written 300 years after that 2,000 years when there's the, you know, the apostle, uh, you know, apostles got together and they wrote all this stuff. And that's what they believe. They'll make claims to what the origin is all day long. But we know as critically thinking people that there's no way to go back in history and substantiate any of that stuff. Okay. And this becomes a problem because that in order to hold on to what these people believe they need, it's a desperation. They need to sink this into anchor it into history and then say, this is my thing. And they'll do this with everything. And it's a problem because when you take that perspective, what you're doing is actually separating you from all these other, these other great traditions. That we're, as we know, we're worshiping the exact same ideas, exact same transcendental truths, okay? So, where does the Christmas tree come from? No one knows. And anybody that claims that they know is ridiculous, okay? The Christmas tree is doubtless of German origin. But what was the origin? Where did the Germans get it? 
though it is pre in, in its present form, it's comparatively of recent date, yet its pagan prototype enjoyed a very high antiquity. What you'll see is that this notion of around the solstice, that sort of thing, is that there were many cultures that did something similar, brought a tree in, a, a, a acacia fig, or whatever. You know, there was always something about bringing the outdoor, the life in inside, and we'll go over that. The early Germans conceived of a world, listen, and this is exactly what we're talking about. So this comes from an article, I think, 1875. And they're going to say exactly what I'm going to tell you today, but we're going to go and give you um, all the details of this, of course. The early Germans conceived of the world as a great tree whose roots were hidden deep under the earth, but whose top flourishing in the midst of Valhalla, the old German paradise, the old German paradise. So this tree, once again, as we know, had roots that went to the bottom, went to the Sheol or the underworld, if you will, and then... The tree reached up into the heavens, into Valhalla, into paradise. And this is exactly what the natural symbolism of the tree does. Once again, we're Gnostics. We go straight to the source. We want a direct relationship, communication, experience with the Almighty. We don't want an intermediary like the church fathers or Pastor Bob down the street. We want to say, no, we want direct connection with God. The tree, the natural symbolism of the tree, tells you about your cosmology naturally, the natural symbolism within that. And this connection to Mother Nature, connection to the, the, the animism, if you will, connection to that has been severed by modern Christianity. And that sucks. That sucks. But we're doing our best to resuscitate that baby, aren't we? So this old, this great tree in the midst in the midst here. So they're saying, hey, this Christmas tree, we got it from these Germans. And they conceived it as a world tree, the roots under underneath, going down, going up till Valhalla to paradise yagrasil was that tree paradise we're going up to paradise guys remember that the christmas tree is supposed to have originated in germany but of course no one really knows but it is incorporated with the celebration of christmas in england um comes from german stock you know their their customs in america especially in new york and pennsylvania the germans have dotted the land with their happy homes and have brought their santa claus their chris king their chris kingle kingle uh corruption of christ whatever of the infant christ their christmas tree um, so once again, what is the origin? Is it pagan? Is it German? Is it German pagan? Is it here? We have a universal idea. This is what I want to get into your head. All of these things are transcendental and universals. So when you actually want to go find, well, we don't, we can't go into linear objective history and say, this is when it happened. So this is the origin, but we can go into the metaphysical, absolutely go into the metaphysical and find the origin of the Christmas tree as well as, you know, that's what we could do. We could find the origin of the Christmas tree. We can't go into history and find its origin. But we can find it in the stars. Liz, the Iron Maiden. Thank you so much. The dressing of Christmas trees was originally a pagan practice. Right now, this is where, the, the, of course, the Christians, the Christians will come in and be like, no, 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 no. Right? Even though we know that Jesus is celebrated, his birthday is three days after the, sol, after the winter solstice, right? So here is a natural marking of a cross in the sky. Here we were celebrating Jesus' birthday at that time, and yet modern Christians can't even make that basic connection. That's a problem. The dressing of trees at Christmas was originally a pagan practice adopted by our Christian ancestors. No, it wasn't. It is commonly deemed to be a custom of German origin. And, but then, of course, the critical research says that that's not true. Once again, you start criticizing any of this stuff, you, you get to a point where we have no idea what the origin of this stuff is. It's lost in the 
annals of history, if you will. The Germans identified it with the apostolic labors of St. Maternus, one of the earliest, if not the very first, of the preachers of the gospel amongst them. Once again, a lot of people, will they want to they want to anchor it to some place in history and be like, it's ours, my line, our tradition, all these others were the fakes, we've got the right one. This, once again, as we know, is called possession. It's called possession. As we'll see, this, this Christmas tree is, as we know, is for everybody. Like many other festivi- uh, festiv- festivities at Christmas, we also believe it was distinctly traceable to Roman Saturnalia. Now, once again, Christians would be like, no, 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 no. Then we have to step back and say, well, wait a second. Why do all of these cultures across the world somehow get together around this time and celebrate at least exoterically a bunch of similar shit? What is going on? Well, duh. All there, all you see is if once again you get past the exoteric and go into the actual transcendental information, there, all these cultures around the world, or what are they doing? They're recognizing God's design. Clearly. And hence why you have similar themes, similar elements, similar symbols celebrated across the world. And then they want to link this to, well, it's Saturnalia. No, it's not. It was the pagan thing over here. No, it's not. It was this over here. It's the Germans. No, it was like the Norse over here, whatever, right? So where does it actually come from? The Christmas tree, uh, such as we see it now with its pendant toys, fairies, etc., is clearly described by Virgil when he speaks of images pendant from the pine trees. So this goes back to Virgil. Once again, all of this is telling you what's the origin we don't know. The original idea from which the modern Christmas tree is derived will be found in Smith's Dictionary of Greek and Roman Antiquities. So the Greeks and the Romans and the pagans, all of these way back in the day were doing something similar. Um, and then, of course, you see this, this decking of the pine trees with toys is, is perpetuated into our customs today. Okay. Don't worry, I'm just doing a little, I like to do the little, you know, intro here, and then we'll get into the, the meat and the potatoes. Um, uh, once again, just basically saying uh, that, you know, this tree has been known for a long time. Uh, once again, claiming it's of German origin. I think that's the same one, sorry. And now we see that Christmas is what? It's, it's kind of become this thing that's almost like transcended Christianity itself. Well, that's because the actual tradition transcends Christianity itself. It transcends what you guys believe happened 2,000 years ago is what I'm saying. And now we see that this all sorts of people celebrate Christian, Christmas even though they might not be Christians. And of course it's like, well, keep Christ in Christmas. Okay, that's true. You definitely should. But it's really, really, really important to understand who Christ is in order to keep him in Christmas. And that might friends is what we'll be doing today in the united states christmas partakes of all the above features it's people having brought from their various ancestral lands their peculiar customs of each so here we have all of these different traditions that are coming in and sort of consolidating onto this one thing called christmas and bringing all these other traditions in and this is perpetuated to the, today obviously and it becomes something almost transcendent okay um At first, fitted up during the Twelve Nights in honor of Burchetta, the goddess of spring, it was subsequently transferred to the birthday of Christ. So, once again, when we have the solstices and equinoxes, what is happening in the winter solstice? We know that the sun is being reborn, that it's no longer going south and dying, and the days are getting shorter and shorter. Now the days are going to get lighter, right? Well, 
obviously people around the world recognize this as what? A natural death and rebirth cycle, a death of the death of the sun or the birth of the sun, whichever way you want to poeticize it. This is what is naturally going on. God has dictated this by his design. Now, God's dictating this as the design that every single human being absolutely lives through. But for some reason, Christians have separated those things. God's actual design that we live in. This is a book. This is a book. This is the living word of God. This is a book. This is the living word of God. Get it? These people went to the living word of God. And they're like, oh, there's design, there's purpose, there's God is speaking to me through nature itself. Ooh, what is this tree telling me, right? This book here is trying to get you to understand that. And hence why we have such an enormous problem in modern day Christianity. This tree is emblematic of what I just said. The Christmas tree is emblematic of the fact that Christmas itself is representing all of the great traditions, Christianity, as we do here, we teach the Prisca Theologia through Christianity. Why? Because we can. Because this guy, that Jesus Christ, is in one sense a representation of the Son. Jesus Christ, who as the God-man, is become the resurrection and the life. The evergreen fir tree, an emblem of springtime because of the symbol of an eternal spring. And we'll get into this. Why are we bringing a tree in during the dead of winter? Um, the gifts to remind, of course, were, uh, the burning lights were to um, adumbrate him, who is the light of the world, and the gifts to remind us that God is giving his only son for the world's redemption, conferred upon us the most priceless of all gifts. Um, the symbolism extend also to the most usual of Christmas presents, apples and nuts. They used to decorate the tree with fruit. So there's this tree of paradise that was celebrated all around the world, and they used to decorate it with fruits. Saturnalia, of course, this is the use of evergreen trees, wreaths, and garlands to symbolize eternal life was a custom, allegedly anyway, by ancient Egypt's Chinese and Hebrews. Tree worship is found all over Europe and pagans. Of course, we have Saturnalia too. Here we have the, the, the once again, the tree. Morovian Chris, uh, Christians began to illuminate Christmas trees with candles. So now we have this tree, tree of paradise, and now we're putting lights on the tree of paradise. Pay attention which were often replaced by Christmas lights as the, after the advent of electrification. An angel or star is going to be placed at the top. An angel or star is going to be placed at the top of this tree. Pay attention. Okay, just going through a few things here. So we know that these things are completely tied up in um, with, with quote-unquote pagan ideas. Now, as we know, they're not actually pagan ideas. They're gods. God owns all this stuff. When you say, well, the Christmas tree, the pagans did this, and, and these people over here did this, why did they do it, though? What were they actually celebrating? Once again, go to the transcendent. Go to what they're actually symbolizing, and you'll see it's the exact same thing. So this is why Yuletide carols being sung by a choir. This is Yule. I mean, they're literally telling you this is the pagan wheel of the year. Yuletide carols being sung because it's Yule. It's in the pagan wheel of the year, December 20th to the 23rd, right around that time, you know. So this is Jeremiah. This is Old Testy stuff. And this is what people will use actually to say, well, no, we shouldn't have Christmas trees brought in, right? Um, and it says here, this is Jeremiah 10. It's the Old Testy. So this is Old Testy stuff. 
Fruit has more than one meaning. Uh, yeah, of course, right? Yes. Um, wouldn't you do that in spring? Ooh, we'll talk about that. I'll, I'll talk about all of these things. My Lord, give me a second. Every time you hear a bell ring, a blue dot is born. See, just for that, you're getting moderated. I don't even know who you are, but you're moderated now. Boom. Done, son. Okay, so this is Old Tasty Jeremiah 10. Uh, learn not the way of the heathen, and be not dismayed at the signs of heaven, for the heathen are dismayed at them. <laughs> anyway, we'll get into that in just a second. There's a whole problem with even calling somebody heathen, especially when you're re referring to people of the old religion of the Old Testament. For the customs of the people are vain, and that's the thing that's important, vain. It's the vanity. For one cutteth the tree out of the forest, the work of the hands of the workmen with the axe. They deck it with silver and with gold. They fasten it with nails and with hammers that it move not. Those two verses right there are enough to people be like, well, Old Testament says that we shouldn't have Christmas trees. You could see it right there. And I don't know how you could mistake that as meaning anything else. Well, then if you read on, it actually, it actually um, expounds on the fact that they're all talking about vanity and false gods. It's basically anytime you look at a false god or, or you know, the actual not living, the living god that of the of the world it's a, a false god and it's vain right that's why he's decking it with silver and gold it goes on to even say this even more right uh, but they are altogether brutish and foolish the stock is a doctrine of vanities their entire their entire doctrine is vain this is what people of the old testament were saying about heathens okay now pay attention because we're going to define what a heathen is here. Silver spread into plates is brought from tarnish and gold, the work of the workmen, the hand. Blue and purple is their clothing. Purple is what royalty. They're all the working of cunning men, right? All of the material. This is all language to basically talk about. These are people that focus, these heathens are people that focused on the material world and the royal purple and, you know, guarding, you know, um, what do I want to say? Dressing themselves up in gold and silver and that sort of stuff. This is what it's referring to. But the Lord is the true God. He is the living God and an everlasting king. And so this is what this is all referring to. This is not necessarily specifically referring to Christmas trees. The, the, why this is so important is that this is the Old Testament, guys. Okay, so this is the people of the old stock. That was Jeremiah. Okay, now the people of the old religion thought that anybody that wasn't part of their religion was a heathen. So there's lots of people that would be that would have converted to Christianity or might have been even quote unquote um uh, you know Christian at the time. Then we want to say that because Christ didn't appear in the story until the New Testament, but you get what I'm saying. That these people were not of the old religion. They were not the chosen ones. There all of those people that would have eventually might have even become Christians would have been considered heathens. In other words, Christians, quote unquote Christians back in the day, would have been considered heathens to the people of the Old Testament. Okay? A person who does not, this is what a heathen means in it's a derogatory term in modern, right? A person who does not belong to a widely held religion, especially one Christian, Jew, or Muslim, a widely held religion. Back in the day, the Vikings and the Norse, and that, that was a widely held religion, okay? Hinduism was a widely held religion, right? So that's kind of, you know, ambiguous, if you want to say. Heathen is a heathen man, one of a race or a nation which does not acknowledge the God of the Bible. That's what a heathen would be considered, right? So this, these people did not acknowledge the, the God of the Bible. A dweller on the heath, one inhabiting uncultivated land, this is all the etymology of it, uh, comes from Gothic hypno. I'm not sure how to say that. Gentile. Gentile. 
Whether native or Gothic, it might have been chosen on model of Latin paganus, which means rural, or the Germanic word might have been chosen for its resemblance to the Greek ethne, see Gentile. So anybody of the Old Testament, when you read this stuff here, that sort of stuff, right? This, this, kind, of, this kind of stuff. These people would have considered anybody that's not them Gentiles, pagans, heathens. So you have to understand that in the Old Testament, even if, even if you want to claim that these people were talking about a Christmas tree, they had no intention of including you in their stuff. So, so when you see them saying all oh, these heathens, they're referring to Gentiles. They're referring to what you and I are, would be right now. So congratulations to the modern Jews. You're a heathen. You heathens, think about it. We, 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 we're, we're on uncultivated land. We're out in the middle of the shticks, you know, that sort of thing. So I guess I'm, as a Christian minister, according to the Old Testament, I would be a heathen. Okay, cool. That sounds great. No problem with that whatsoever because they can go suck it. So modern Christmas trees have been related to the tree of paradise. So you family as Christians, they go out, they cut down a tree and they take this tree and they bring it inside. And this tree is a representation of the tree of paradise of medieval mystery plays. Modern Christmas trees have been related to the tree of paradise of medieval mystery plays that were given on December 24th. Commemorating Adam and Eve, a tree decorated with apples to represent the forbidden fruit. Literally telling you exactly what this Christmas tree represents. The tree of life in the center of our creation in which there was forbidden fruit in which Adam and Eve ate from and then fell. That's what this tree represents. And wafers to represent the Eucharist and redemption. Okay? This is the tree of eternal life. You are going outside with your family and cutting down this tree and bringing it inside. And I can, I can almost guarantee 99.99% of even the, like, a, you know, a dedicated Christians have no idea that this tree is actually referring to Christ himself. Eternal life. The Lord God said, Behold, the man has become as one of us, and now lest he put forth his hand and take also of the tree of life and eat and live forever. The tree of life was in the midst of the garden, in the, in the center of the garden. So you drove man out and he placed at the east. We just covered this. Cherubims, flaming sword, which turned every way to keep the way of the tree of life. What does the Christmas tree represent? Etern, eternal life, immortal life. How many Christians know it? How many Christians will immediately be like, no, that's a pagan symbol. The pagans thought the same shit. The pagans were worshiping the same thing. We know where this tree sits. It sits in the center of our creation. Just as it, as we'll, we'll uh, re revisit this. You've got Adam and Eve up there. You've got Cepheus and Cassiopeia. You've got a big damn serpent. And you've got a tree in the midst of the center. And this is where we fell from. And this is where we want to, that right there is where you want to return to. It's right there. Uh, Daniel 4.11, the tree grew and was strong and the height thereof reached unto heaven and the sight thereof to the end of all the earth. What are they talking about? Is it an actual physical tree? Are we talking about a metaphysical tree? That's the tree of paradise. These Christians are cutting down a symbol of their eternal life. And if you mention this, they would immediately be like, well, no, uh, you know, it's like, <laughs> it's like there, there's such a disconnect 
as we can see in modern in our modern day Christianity with what all of their potent symbolism means and how it's actually found in our world. And that's it's it's just such a huge issue. That Christmas tree that you are going out with little Jimmy and little Bobby out into the out into the you know, forest there and cutting that tree down, you are bringing in a symbol of your eternal life. Within Christian orthodoxy, now this is funny. This is where it gets hilarious, guys, okay? That tree of life is called the tree of paradise. That's where you want to go, paradise, right? Allison Flynn, $27.99, thank you so much. Um, oh, no, they can suck it. No, they, no, he can, no, he can say that. That's okay. You don't need to block him for saying that because I said it. Good morning, Mr. Arcade. So this is where it's funny. So this tree that's in the center, as we talked about, is the tree of paradise. And they even say in the tradition, that's what Christians even say it is. Okay, so now we've got this tree in the paradise. Now, where, why is it called paradise? Now, in this is what's hilarious, okay? This is what I want you guys... You know, <laughs> if you learn stuff like this and then you go out into modern Christianity and the contemporary Christianity and you listen to what they have to say, you just understanding information like this, you'll be like, whoa, you are you have no idea what you're talking about. The Christmas tree that you are bringing into your house is Kabbalistic, son. Listen to it again. The Christmas tree that you are bringing into your house is a direct reference to Kabbalah. Now, that tree is the tree of paradise. Where does the term paradise come from? Now we can go to the etymology and paradise, paradisio, Latin, all this other stuff. But as we know, um, uh, paradise actually is a reference to the Kabbalistic exegesis of scripture. So in other words, the old rabbis, did you see that video of Jordan Peterson where he was like, where he was like starts crying and he's like, I was on the street and somebody called me. He's like, Rabbi, Rabbi. And I turn and he starts crying. He's like, it was a hell of a thing to hear. <laughs> did you see that thing? Just hilarious. I'm like, dude, if you called me Rabbi in the street, I'd be like, hey, go after yourself, bro. Like, why are you crying about that? Anyway, paradise. Let's get back to this. There's a fourfold. It's called the fourfold of, of, of exegesis of scripture. It's a fourfold method in which you're supposed to pick this thing up and utilize this method in order to make sense of this thing. Now, the Kabbalistic, the Kabbalistic tradition, right? They hold on to this. They're, this is exactly how they deconstruct this thing. Now, modern orthodoxy has the exact same methodology. Now, they will forever... You could go ask Jay Dyer or go ask Jim Bob or Kotel Pro. Literally ask any of these Orthodox. Say, well, guess what? You have Your fourfold patristic method, which is a method of biblical exegesis, is directly related to Kabbalah. They would lose their minds. And that's exactly what it is, though. It's even where the term paradise comes from. Within Christian Orthodoxy, there has been a long-standing method as how to study, read, and interpret the Bible called the patristic or hermeneutic approach, which is a four-tiered approach when it comes to both study and apprehension of biblical texts. And instead of seeking only one method of understanding the scriptures, the church fathers prefer a fourfold approach, literal, moral, allegorical, and anagogical. Well, these, this patristic method is exactly what the Jewish Hebraic Kabbalists used to do, still do, in interpreting their text. And their thing is called the Pardes. We can find a direct corollary to the biblical interpretation within rabbinical study of the Torah as well. The Hebraic fourfold approach of exegesis or scriptural analysis is called the Pardes and is an acronym formed from the first letters of 
of the four levels of Torah interpretation, or what is known as the orchard. So you have, uh, it's Peshet, it's Rash, what is it? I forget what they are all. Uh, Sod is the last one. Ah, oh, they're escaping me right now. Um, but there's the, the, the four levels, right? And it forms an acronym, P-R-D-S. P-R, Pardes, is where we derive the English word, according to Kabbalists, paradise. Because if you remove the vowels of Pardes, and you remove the vowels of paradise, it's the same, P-R-D-S, paradise, Pardes. So in the Torah, vowels are not included in the text. So you would have to put the vowels back in. And the reader is expected to place them in as he or she reads. When we remove the vowels from paradise, we find the exact same consonants as pardes. The mythical paradise is one of the last things that Jesus spoke of, included in the last famous seven sayings of Christ. And Jesus said unto them, Verily I say unto thee, Today shalt thou be with me in paradise. Luke 23, 43. So, this tree of paradise that even old ancient Christians were saying was the eternal tree, paradise, right? This is the tree of paradise. This tree is linked in Kabbalistic literature to the tree of Pardes. And this is the fourfold method of Kabbalistic deconstruction of the Bible. Now the tree of paradise is what? A reference to this tree. So when your family goes out and cuts down that tree and brings it inside, nobody, un modern Christians don't understand that that tree is referencing Literally, a way to deconstruct your good book. A long-standing method that not only is purported by rabbis, of, or, of orthodox rabbis, Kabbalistic Kabbalists, but is also promoted by modern orthodoxy. Now, try to go tell modern orthodoxy that. It's the same method. The fourfold patristic approach by Christian orthodoxy is literal, moral, allegorical, and anagogical. Do you know what the fourfold patristic method of Pardes is? Literal, moral, allegorical, and anagogical. Look it up. What's, what's the disconnect, guys? Is it you want to play special boy? Do you want to be the chosen one? You are going and cutting a tree of eternal life and putting it into your home, and it is a Kabbalistic symbol. Here's the tree of life so that we went around the world, culture after culture after culture, and found our tree of life. So we know, we, we can understand as Gnostics that these are universal ideas. They don't belong to anybody. They belong to God. And we can respect that. And we can see it within our own tradition. So here we have the Gnostic tradition, the Manichaean, they had a tree of life. Oh, those crazy Mayans that thought the world was going to end. They actually didn't think that at all. But they had a tree of life. And then the Urtur, whatever the heck that is, Urtur, I can never pronounce that. They had a tree of life. And then those crazy Mesopotamians, they had a tree of life. And then the Turks, they had a tree of life. And then the Norse, they had a tree of life. And the Christians had a tree of life. And then uh, Kalpavriksha, whatever. Those Jains, the Buddhists, the Sikhs, they had a The Greeks, they had a tree of life. And the Oneidas had a tree of life. And the, all this, oh, the, oh, was it this, uh, the oh, Ogallala, uh, Lakota, the Sioux, they had a tree of life, another Mesopotamia, the Egyptian tree of life, and of course the Hebraic tree of life. And then of course the Chinese, they had a tree of life, and then the Assyrians, they had a tree of life, and then the Arabians, they had a tree of life too. And those crazy drunk Celts, they had a tree of life, the oak tree, which represented the center of the world, and all oh, the roots went down, and the branches went up to, to heaven. Where did they get this stuff, guys? Where did they get it? They believed that the roots of the tree penetrated the depths of the lower world. Christmas is now transcended 
this, this literalist story of Christ. You know why? Because it just does. When you make it a literal this sort of thing, then you get the, as we know, the possession, the my, 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 me, 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 me. As we know, the natural symbolism of the tree, heaven and earth, literally incorporates it. So, I just find it so hilarious to me. Like, I get lots of chuckles out of this, knowing that this is where this symbolism of the tree comes from. Because we can't know where it comes from in literal history. That's gone. But we can absolutely know where it comes from metaphysically. We can't know where it comes from historically or physically. But we can know where it comes from metaphysically. And then when you actually find that origin and recognize it's Kabbalistic, and then knowing that there's Christians out there today that are taking little, you know, Sally and, 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 and you know, Jimmy Bob out into the <laughs> out into the fields and cutting down a tree, having no idea that they're celebrating Kabbalah. There's the God dreaming the tree of life. Firs and evergreens are still green through the winter, symbolic of eternal life. So why are they going to cut down an evergreen, right? Well, even the term evergreen, what is it symbolic of? Well, it's still green. In the middle of winter, when everything is dying naturally, naturally, according to how God has ordained it in the heavens, and then people across the world recognize that intelligence, recognize that design, recognize the actually the symbolism of that design, the, the spiritual message about death and rebirth within that design, and they say, oh, this every, as everything's dying, we want a symbol of eternal life, of, of springtime all the time, if you will. What is that symbol? It's a Christmas tree. It's the evergreen tree. It's evergreen. It stays green when everything's dying. This, quote unquote, stays alive symbolically. And what is the symbol of the Christmas tree? Eternal life. <laughs> Christians used evergreens as a sign of everlasting life with God. But okay, fine. Even if Christians recognize that today, why? Why is this tree symbolic of these things? Where does this come from, Christians? Fir trees are a genus of the evergreen. It's evergreen. How about this one? You put a star on the top of the tree. What does this tree mean? Where is this tree? It's in the center of our creation. It goes right to the tippy top of that pole star. Then, so we see there's a tree in the center. And what's in the center of that tree? A star. A star in which everything revolves around called Polaris. It's the North Star. Correct? Then we go and we bring this tree and we put a star on the top of it. And what is that star? What is... There, by putting an, you can put an angel, of course, the angel is the angle, which is what? We'll get into that in just a second. What is the angle? Is the angel, angle, angle? Okay. Then there's a, you put a, on the tree of life, which is in the center of our creation, you go put a star on the top of it, which is referencing what? The star that's in the center of this entire thing. It's Polaris. It's Polaris. So, you know, families, uh, you know, around the world, this is a magical moment. Like you have children and you bring the tree in and you have this whole, you know, you, it's like a family event sort of thing. And you decorate the tree and you put these red balls on there. What do you think the red balls are referring to? Well, a lot of, you know, it's something now they're different color, but you know, they used to actually put, tree, you know, like apples on the tree. It's referring to the fruit that you ate that put you here in the first place. <laughs> then you put a star on the top of that tree. So now we have... 
Uh, you know, all of the symbolism attached to this, the tree in the center, the eternal life, why it's eternal life, where does this come from, what does the star on the top mean? We're not done yet. Stella, beautiful village for knowledge and light. It's a good group of people, isn't it? We're going to keep it that way. We're going to keep it that way. Thank you, Stella. I appreciate the support. So there's your Polaris. Literally, the star that references eternal life you're putting on top of a tree representing eternal life. Doing it at the time with what? Where Jesus is born. <laughs> which represents what? Eternal life. Which is happening when? On the solstice. Right after the solstice. Okay? So, and with that, Stella, you remind me. Let's do this. Here it is. Oh, here it is. Oh, yeah, yeah. Show me the money. You gotta show me the money. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Gen X rated. Jason Reed, thank you so much. Jason Reed, Gen X rated, thank you so much. We got hurt in the house. Thank you guys so much. I really appreciate that. That's what keeps this baby going. So if you would like to uh, donate to the church and keep this alive, keep the truth train rolling on, uh, you can go to Cash App or Buy Me a Coffee and Gnostic Academy, and you can donate through there. It's the best way. That way, uh, 33% doesn't go to YouTube. So if you want to do that, I appreciate it. That's what keeps this baby going. So thank you all for the donations. Thank you for the support. Thank you for being here. So we know that now, where does this tree sit? Where is this tree? As we know, we know it's in the center of our creation. We know that all these cultures around the world not only celebrated the not only celebrated this time of the year, they celebrated a central tree in the center of their creation. That tree represented eternal life. And we also know that the, this Christmas tree is something that transcends Christianity, as we know. Just, you know, so where is this tree, though? As, you know, as we discussed last live stream, this tree is within us. You represent the tree of life. That is called the axis mundi. It's the axis of it's the axis of the earth between the celestial poles in a geocentric coordinate system. It's what we're in. It's the axis of the rotation of the celestial sphere. It's the tree. There's the tree. There's a tree right there. There's the axis. It's in the center of our creation. So, and this tree represents you. You are the tree. That tree that you're bringing in is not only representative of Christ, not only representative of eternal life, not only representative of the design and order of God's creation, and not only that, it links you to all these cultures all around the world, but it's also in you. How many know it? How many Christians are decorating their tree as I'm speaking right now and have zero clue, zero understanding? Why do we cut down a tree and bring it into the house? What is the symbolism of such a thing? You're taking this, oh, you're cutting down life, blah, 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 blah. You're taking the tree that's outside that represents eternal life because in, in this sense, that tree is still alive. It's still green. It's still evergreen. It's representing spring. And you're taking that tree and you're bringing it into your house. Your house. You're taking the tree that represents the eternal tree of life, that represents the tree that's in the center of this creation. And where are you bringing this tree? You're bringing it into your house. Your house, your house, your house. Think of the symbolism here. (laughs) 
What is the temple? What is the house? Where is, where is the, you know, God dwells in a temple not made by the hands of man and the only temple not made by the hands of man are the ones on the side of your foreheads. Where is this holy, where is Bethel? Where is the house of God? Where does he live? Where is eternal life? This, as we say, this is a symbol of the Christmas tree. That on the right is a man that's back on the tree of life. He's received eternal life. He's done what he had to do down here in order to receive eternal life. And he's back on that tree of life, just as you see in the Hebraic version. Now let's go to the Christian version. What happened after he was put on this tree, this cross made of wood? What happened after that? Oh, that's right. It was a resurrection thing. Christ's eternal life thing, right? The exact same symbology. The exact same symbolism. And once again, where is that tree of life? It's in the center of the creation. As we said, this will be just a quick review. What was on that tree of life? In order of angels, the cherubims, just as it says here. So he drove out the man. That's us. We were up there. Now we're down here. We want to get back up there. We want to get back on that tree of life. And he placed at the east, which is a representation of what? Where the sun rises, the light, the illumination within you at the gar of the Garden of Eden, cherubims. What is a cherubim? It is an order of angels. That's what the cherubim is. Once again, this is a review, just as we did last week. But um, So as an order of angels. So he set an order of angels right next to this tree, on this tree, just to the east of this tree, if you will. And what are those angels? Those angels are the angles. Those, that's zero, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Those ten, those divine principles of design can create any other number in creation. And then Christianity even tells you specifically, specifically, that's what we're talking about. Nine angels. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, and nine. And of course, zero is not an angle. It doesn't have any, you know, that sort of thing. It's zero, it's nothing. It's representing. And here you have nine angels right next to the cherubim, right next to the tree. Here's your Christian angelic hierarchy literally telling you about Kabbalah. The core of the angelic hierarchy is Kabbalistic. <clears throat> There's the Egyptian version of this. We covered this. They had nine. They had a sacred nine too. The Inead, which was Atum, Shu, Tefnut, Geb, Nut, Osiris, Isis, Set, Nephthys, and they all sprang from none literally called none, noon, none, zero. And then we saw that the the Norse, those crazy Norse, they had a tree too. And they had nine angels, angles, worlds, dominions, abodes on that tree. I called to mind the kin of Etins, which long ago did give me life. Nine worlds I know, the nine abodes of the glorious world tree. That's your decimal system. Zero, one, two, three, four, five. Those are your angels. So... Not only when you cut down that tree and you bring that tree in, do you know what else you're referring to besides eternal life? The basics of universal mathematics. The angels on the angles that are on the tree of life in the center of our creation. Wait, there's like 10 on a tree. I thought you were the tree. And then there's, huh, I think I'm starting to make some connections. Okay, so now that we covered that, I want to make sure I'm, I don't miss any guys here. Sorry. 
Oh, John Gaga, Truth Seeker. Thank you so much. I appreciate that. Um, okay, so now that we did that, so we see that these angels, these angles that are put on this tree, okay, this is what's going on biblically. No question about it. There's cherubims. They're in order of angels, angles. So we put these 10 numbers, one through nine and zero, of course, being your decimal system on a tree. Okay. Does everybody get that? So these 10 numbers are on that tree. Okay. Now in English gematria, these 10 numbers, zero, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, summed 180. The numbers one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, 10, summed to 180. So that, that Kabbalah that we're talking about, that refers to directly to the number 180. What does that refer to? Anybody that knows their stuff, anybody that's built a house or has done any sort of geometry whatsoever knows that the internal degrees of the triangle, the first form in creation is 180. In fact, speaking of that 180, what, when we, let's go to this Christian angelic hierarchy again. What was right above, what's right above those nine angles right there? And zero being nothing, of course. It's a, it's a perfect equilateral triangle, is it not? Is that what you guys see there? Because that's what I see. So there's nine angels. They're put on a tree. And right above these nine angels is a triangle. And then we do the gematria value for those ten emanations of God. Zero and the nine angles. And what do you have? Zero through nine or one through ten. The internal degrees of the very triangle that they're telling you about. Everybody get that? Zero, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. 180 degrees of a triangle. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. 180 degrees of the triangle. The Vikings and the Saxons worshipped trees. Now, did they actually worship trees? No. <laughs> this is yet another thing that seems to be completely lost. I guess the idea of animism is just not in people's heads anymore. I don't know. I don't know what to say about that. But modern Christians will look at pagans or what, what we construe as pagans or pe people of nature and they're like, yeah, they worship birds and trees. No, they don't. No, they don't. That is the most ridiculous thing to ever purport about these cultures. They never worship the sun or they worship trees. They're worshiping what that represents universally, metaphysically. The, the eternal principles that those things represent. The fact that this is not understood by, by so many Christians is really sad because that misunderstanding prevents their own understanding of all the symbolism that's happening in here. As we can clearly see, how many Christians have any idea that when they go to cut that tree down, what they're actually doing? Hardly any. I couldn't name you one. So here we have the Vikings and the Saxons. They worshiped trees. Um... And then they said there's this, you know, it was like, oh, it was, it was a pagan practice and blah, 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 blah. A later folk version of the story adds the detail that an evergreen true, uh, tree grew in place of the felled oak, telling them about how its triangular shape of the evergreen tree, how its triangular shape reminds humanity of the Trinity and how it points to heaven. So here, um, there's a folk version of... This, this, you know, the, the Christmas tree story and stuff like that. And they're telling you in this folk version, hey, this thing represents eternal life, points to heaven, is in a triangular shape, and represents the Trinity. What? 
<laughs> what? So, represents the Trinity. The Trinity may be understood geometrically as the triangle. Because that's exactly what the Trinity is. It's one, two, three, becoming one. And what do we have in our own English? The Trinity. The triangle. 180 degrees. <laughs> so, you know, so you see how much is being missed here? I, I really want to get in your head today how far off I would say the majority of traditions in the world are from their actual the actual metaphysical truths that are happening within their good book and their tradition. This is 100% verifiable. Do you know who's going to verify this though? How many Christians out there do you think are going to verify this or even think that this means anything? So there are the, those crazy Vikings. They had this folk tale that the tree, which is literally triangular, was a reference to the Trinity and pointed to heaven. Look at, the, look at the etymology of the word tree and the word three. Even sounds like, right? We're speaking English, so maybe in the other languages, no, there wasn't a connection or something like that. But we're speaking English. Our language has been coded. Our language is sacred and divine. Whenever you, whenever you make an, uh, I want you to understand this. Whenever you make an argumentation about, uh, like, you know, making a claim or something like that about something in English, and somebody comes along, and goes, well, that's not what it was like in Greek or Aramaic. Are we speaking Aramaic? Are we speaking Greek? Are you saying our language is not sacred enough in order for us to have a communication and explain our world? Of course it is. Of course it is. God's in our language too, and I think that this might be some clues to that. The Trinity is found in the Kabbalistic, the, the gematria of zero through nine and one through 10. So this is your etymology of tree. Treo, tree, tre, trio, tre, trio, even sounds like three. Thing made of wood, especially the cross of the crucifixion. Isn't that what we just talked about? This is like the Christmas tree and Jesus, eternal life, and there's the cross and the wood and everything. So that's tree, and this is three. This is the tray, tree, thry, trace, thry, trio, tray, tree, three. Even the, even the, here, look, this is, this is trio. This is three, try, try, try unity, trinity, three, oh, try, tri, trio, trio. And this is, this is tree. This is the, the first one, Old English Trio. <laughs> right, so, okay, so now let's look at the tree itself. So these old Saxons and Vikings and their old folk tales and stuff like that, what did they do? What did they do? Did they go and ask, you know, all the, the priests and the pastors and the long lineage of the apostolic, you know, you know, this whole lineage and it's like, what does this stuff mean? These Vikings and these Saxons and their old folk tales looked at the tree and they're like, ah, eh, it's kind of triangular, kind of points to heaven. Oh, it's interesting. There's like all those branches reach down below and then it points to the, it's almost like God himself is speaking naturally through that tree. It's almost like God himself is imbued within everything and is symbolically begging you to say, what do I mean, son? So this is your Christmas tree. Roots reach into the bottom, reach into the top, heaven and earth, combined as one, triangular shaped pointing to the 
pole star. And then what do you do? You put a pole star. You put a star at the top of the thing. That's what you do. So, as we, we, I'll just repeat this. We did this last live stream, but it'll be good. So, what is the eschatological essence of the tree of life? Was the eschatology of this tree of life? Many theologians throughout church history have suggested that the tree of life is nothing more than a symbolic description of Christ Himself. Spiritually feeding on Christ for all of eternity is the essence of eternal life. Christ is the true tree of life because as mediator, he is the prince of life, giving life to the world and eternal life in heaven by glory. For he is the resurrection and the life. Just as we see that sun just about to die on the horizon, on the solstice, what happens to the sun? Naturally, as God commands it, it's reborn. That tale does not come from here. That tale does not come from the Vikings. That tale is not, well, the origin of the tale is actually Hebrew. Or no, it's actually Hindu. No, no. The origin of the Christmas tree, the origin of the Trinity, the origin of the cross comes from God himself. That's where it comes from. <sighs> no one except Christ is in the midst of paradise. During Christmas, what do you do? We give gifts. We give presents. We put, and there's all sorts of ways that traditionally they've done this. Sometimes they put them under the tree. Sometimes they hit them in the tree. That sort of thing. But ultimately, what is this season about? Giving. Right? It's not about receiving. Right? It's not about like me, 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 my, my, my. It's always, there's always the, the, the notion that's like, oh, this is the time of year that we give. Okay? So what is the present? When we put presents under the tree, well, present is a gift. It also means being at hand. You're at present right now, okay? Um, there's a bunch of different ways. Give or award something. Give someone a gift or award. Show offer something. That's what, of course, what present means. But we know what the... Let me say this. When we look at the Trinity, because we just discussed that this damn tree right here, Literally, the natural symbolism of it. Well, it's triangular shaped. It's kind of pointing to the heavens and then, you know, that sort of thing. And then once again, even people that were not Christian were saying the same thing in their folktales. It's like, well, this tree represents eternal life, center of creation, you know, triangular shaped, represents the Trinity. So then we say, well, we give presents out on Christmas. And this represent this is all supposed to be representing Christ. Correct? Okay. In the Trinity, which is what we just covered, we, we find that we have the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. The Father, the Son, and the Word. Okay. Well, the Father's the Creator. The past is the Holy Ghost. Future, past. And then what do we have? The eternal present. What is that? That's the now. That's the eternal present. Where is Christ? Always with us. Omnipotent, omniscient, omnipresent. Forever here. Never gone away. Never. We don't have to go searching for Christ back in history somewhere. And try to substantiate this in Israel 2,000 years ago or whatever. Where is Christ? Eternally present. Eternally present. And that's, of course, what Christ is. The present. So, in this Christmas time, that we're supposed to be celebrating 
Christ, right? And what is he? He is the gift. He is the present. He is literally in the Trinity, the here and now. And this is the actual present of Christmas. This is the actual, the, the presence of Christ is the present, if you will. It is the gift. Christ in the here and now, within you. That eternal life, right? That's, that's here, that's in the tree right here. And then we say, where is that eternal life? That's within you. And that's the present. It's the gift. It's the gift. It's the, it's the greatest present you can possibly receive from God Almighty. And that's to recognize the hope of glory. Christ, the eternal tree of life within you. What does Kabbalah mean? It means to receive. God, the Almighty, is giving gifts out himself. He puts gifts under that tree or within that tree of life. And what is that ultimate gift? Eternal life. And what are we celebrating at Christmas? We're going outside. We're cutting that tree down. That tree represents what? The merging of heaven and earth, pointing straight up to the heaven, the tree in the center of the earth, and you know, center of our creation, and we bring that tree inside, and we celebrate what? The return of the sun. Our, our year is not dying anymore. This year is never going to die. It's always going to be alive. The sun will always come back. So... Then you say, well, where, you know, that, what, what, and what is, you know, what is Christ? Of course, and ye shall seek me and find me when you, ye shall search for me with all your heart. Let's say so many people think, it's like, you have to have this book, this certain book, or this tradition, or you have to see it this way, and blah, 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 blah. And the book is basically just saying, like, hey, if you search for him, you'll find him. What did people do before they had this thing? Could they possibly search for, could they possibly look at the tree and be like, I have no idea what that means. Or could they go in with their own mind, their own heart, and their own desire to actually commune with God himself? Can they do that? Of course they can. And what do you, what do you, what do you, uh, what's the present that you find? The, within you, that's the, the, that's the sacred heart of Christ. That's the gift. That's the present. That's what's in the present right now, guys. And that's the present. That's the gift. Eric C., be the present. That's what I'm talking about, right? Um, some Veda Thai yoga gave me $20 and then the message was deleted. Oh, okay. Well, If the climate change assholes were serious about taxing us, they would make it illegal to cut down millions and millions of Christmas trees each year. <laughs> exactly. So, so there you go. The present of Christ. And that's what we're celebrating. This is the gift. It's in the here and now. It doesn't just happen, by the way, on some solstice. It happens every second you're here. That the gift of life has been given to you by God Almighty. And that Christ resides within you. And this... Ritual that is happening every year is a reminder of that. It's a reminder of the Trinity. It's a reminder of eternal life. It's a reminder of our cosmology. It's a reminder of what you're doing here. It's a reminder to always give, to be present. 
And that's going to do it. All right. Did you enjoy? What a beautiful message that makes perfect sense. Thank you. Thank you so much. Marty, I love you. I love you too. It's a lot of wubbing going on. So, um, did you guys like? I, tr I actually kept it under an hour and 20 minutes. Unbelievable. Okay, great. So, that's what we're, that's what we're dealing with here. Kabbalah. This entire, th everything I just discussed to you, everything that you already know about the Christmas tradition can be linked directly to Kabbalah, directly to it. The tree, the everlasting life, why you're decorating the tree, why it's found all over the world, the cherubims on that tree, the cosmology centered around, you know, the tree of life. You find it in the Old Testament, you find it in the New Testament, you find it across the world. Good stuff. Okay, that's going to do it for me. Thank you, guys. Carrie Musgrave, thank you so much. I really appreciate the support. Do we have anything on Rockfin here? Oh, thank you all on Rockfin. I appreciate Gen X Rated, Jason Reed. Uh, thank you all for being here. Horace, thank you. Jeremy Hines, I appreciate that. You guys are the best. If you do, uh, next week we are going to be doing a giveaway on, I'm um, going to be giving away Pie in the English Alphabet Volumes 1 through 3, maybe, I don't know, 5, 6 copies of that, and then we'll probably do a few copies of the new book, give that away. We'll, I'm sure we're going to do the book release next on Christmas. We're really going to do it on Christmas, and so that will be the pre-order. Hopefully I get it back this week and so we can look, look at it. And um, so that's, yeah, that's what's going on. Um, dun, dun, dun. Uh, Marty, what about the eternal instructions from God that Jesus did perfectly? Shouldn't be, shouldn't being do the, I'm not sure what you're asking. The basic instructions, Sabbath, where do the festivals come from? Run Boston Bear. Where do the festivals come from? Where did, why are we celebrating Jesus being born three days after the solstice. Do we need a book? Or do we go to God himself? Say, wait a second, that sun doesn't move for three days and then, then it rises again. Do we need the pastors or the preachers? Why do you assume that because if you follow everything that was, you know, said in this old thing here that that's somehow just going to magically allow you to get up into heaven? All of this stuff is available to all people. It doesn't matter if you have this thing. Hence why they say in here, the epistle is written in your heart. That's why they say the epistle is written in your heart. And ye shall seek me and find me when ye shall search for me with all your heart. Jesus does not, God himself, the Almighty, does not give two shits if you walk around and be like, look, I've got this thing on, that means I'm a Christian, and I went to the church these times, and then I went to this, and then I went to baptism, and I went to this guy, and this guy dunked me under some water, and so therefore I'm saved. That interpretation and understanding of Christianity is effed. You've lost all the connection to what all of this stuff means. Baptism itself what is the natural symbolism of baptism? You dunk somebody under water. Why? Because you're symbolically cleansing them. What do you have to do? Metaphysically cleanse yourself. Spiritually cleanse yourself. That's an internal process. It does not matter if you wear this stupid... You think God's like, well, look, Marty was wearing this, so I guess he's going to get up there. It's so silly. 
And it's about time that that shit stops. You are listening. Now, I'm not getting on your case or anything. I'm just talking. I'm generally, I'm speaking passionately, so don't get upset or anything like this. You're listening to a bunch of people that don't even know where the Christmas tree, what that symbolism means when they bring it into their house. You're listening to a bunch of people that can't even make the connection between Jesus being the sun and what's going on naturally in your world. We're stuck in a book. You're stuck in a book. That's not going to help you. I'm not, you know, I'm not going to tell whatever. I'm just saying that that is such a disconnect with what's going on in the world. What God is, God is speaking to you through the world itself. And we, and these Christians negate the world and they go here and then they try to figure it all out. And then when somebody like myself comes along and be like, well, (laughs) there's actually a lot of answers for all those things. It's ignored. It's, it's, it's laughed off. Laugh it off. It's your salvation. It's your salvation, right? You go, you go down that road and think that, oh, this is all a historical book and these things actually happened. And there was a dude that was in the belly of a whale. And yes, he did rise from the dead three days after. Wait, God was dead? What happened there? The amount of problems and issues that you have with reading this thing literally is gargantuan. It's endless, never endless. It just never ends. If you remove yourself from that, you actually can start making sense of why you took little Jimmy and little Bobby out into that forest and you cut down that tree and you brought it in and you start decorating it. And you, you know, you raised little, little Nancy up and then she put the star on the top, what it actually means. And we're going to continue to do that. And the people that don't want to know what it means, that's fine. That's just one. It's like, the styles. Kittred Compton. Thank you. 312. That's going to do it. Okay. I've babbled on enough. All right. Um, thank you guys. Next Sunday, uh, as I said, oh, I forgot. Let me mention this one more time. Uh, we're doing uh, Marty Bright, One Day of Brightness, this afternoon, 4 o'clock. If you want to join us, rogueways.org. Marty Bright is the promo code. I'm on from 4 to 6 o'clock Central Standard Time, 4 to 6 o'clock Central Standard Time. And so if you want to join us, that would be great. All right, we're going to listen to a... Tr- oh, actually, let me make sure I got everything here. Yes. Oh, let me do this. If you want to stop on over to GnosticAcademy.org, you can become a member for... What is it? <clears throat> I don't even know anymore. I can read $14 for the quarterly and 54 for the year, that sort of thing. So Ruth Scott, 25, 12, mer- many Christmas blessings. Thank you, Ruth Scott. So much love. Run Boston Bear. Thanks. I'm new to the untangling of lies. It's a process and it's beautiful beautiful so far. Brother, Run Boston Bear. Awesome, man. You know, this is what I want you to know. It's so, I'm trying to do this with the life that I live, but it's so refreshing. It's so rewarding. It's so beautiful when you untangle those lies. When you don't get locked up into a bunch of people's, per, you know, their perspective on things and their narrative and their belief system and their conjecture and their blah, blah, blah. You get tangled up in that shit. I don't do that here. I'm going to I'm gonna present you information and say, does that make sense? Can you guys count to 10? Okay, let's go from there. So thank you for being here and thank you for your process of untangling lies because it's a beautiful thing to see when people do it. When people can actually, you know, find that Christ within, the strength that Christ gave you within and, you know, surmount these things. Be like, no, I'm not going to roll around in that mud, muck, and mire and freaking trash anymore. 
Anyway, all right, I'm done. All right, let's get to it. Okay. <laughs> May you always keep yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. May his grace be with you all. Amen. We're going to listen to my buddy, Foundering. He's not really my buddy. I've never spoken to him, but I freaking love this guy. He's a total savant, probably a little autistic, but the I'm, I hope he doesn't listen to this because I don't want to offend him, but the guy is the shit. I don't know if you guys know Foundering. Go do yourself a favor and go to Foundering's channel and say, hey man, I just heard about you from Marty Leeds. Just wanted to give you a big, big up because Foundering is, the, he's, he's just a master pianist. I know it's a funny word. Master pianist, and um, I think he's going to try to start doing like uh, weekly streams. And so I want to promote him because I think the guy's awesome. And so we're going to listen to a, a cover he did called It Was a Masked Christmas. And we're going to end it with that. So if you get a chance, go show him some love. Also, go to NASCAcademy.org and show me some love and the church some love. And we appreciate every single one of you guys being here every Sunday. It means the world to us. It's such a great community, such a great, such a great group of people. So, and we're going to keep it that way. We will be keeping it that way. So that's going to do it. Guys, let's rock out with Mr. Foundering. Thank you all for being here. We'll see you next Sunday. As always, many blessings and much love to all. It was a nice Christmas. We stayed in the house. We covered our nose. Christmas time, we'll be in line for a booster. It was a mass Christmas. We up the zoom. I can only get Wi-Fi in my laundry room. It is Christmas time. We'll be in line for a booster. Been feeling a little strange. I really don't know. Usually complains, but there's this frog in my throat. I've been getting these dizzy spells, so I say, Doctor, please, how come I'm not feeling well? He says, You've got a disease. Now I've got my own from taking that jab. I'm a mouse to Fauci. Christmas time, and I hope I'm alive by next Easter. I've got pericarditis for my 13th shot. Now my heart is pumping, uh, while my blood just clots. But my doctor denied that he filled me with graphene hydroxide.
shot Now my heart is pumping My blood just clots My doctor denied That he filled me with pride